I'm Colin Miller, CEO at the Bracken Group, and this is Fractals. 10 questions with thought leaders in the life science industries. Bracken is the professional services firm for life sciences and digital health organizations. Our intelligence ecosystem fulfills consulting, regulatory, marketing, and analytics needs with an integrated strategic approach. Today's conversation will be discussing radiopharmaceutical strategy. So I'm thrilled to be joined by Andy Beck, a radiopharmaceutical industry executive with more than 30 years of experience and senior partner here at Bracken. Andy's record of success in commercial strategy and leadership spans the commercial and clinical aspects of diagnostic and therapeutic radiopharmaceutical molecular imaging and general nuclear medicine. Prior to joining Bracken, Andy held senior level executive positions at Cardinal Health, Lanthius, and the Lehigh Valley Health Network. In those roles, his expertise was crucial in creating and implementing business strategy, new radiopharmaceutical advancements, and the launch and commercialization of multiple industry-leading SPECT, PET, and radiopharmaceutical therapies and Theranostic products. Andy, welcome and thank you for joining me today. It's a pleasure to be here, Colin. Thank you for the invitation. Well, it's uh, been a great pleasure to to get to know you uh, and meet you at uh, some of the uh, radio pharmaceutical meetings, the Society of Nuclear Medicine and the like. And your career, as we've just mentioned, spans across radio pharmaceutical development, strategy, product launches and commercialization. With that experience in mind, what does an integrated approach mean to you? In terms of strategy, Colin, I always begin with um, one mantra, and that is at the end of the product development journey and in commercialization and um, in market, availability of a product doesn't necessarily equal adoption. So there's plenty of examples of products, particularly in the radio pharmaceutical space, that never met their full potential. And um, I firmly believe that much of the reason behind those, um, that lack of success, has to do with poor strategy or incomplete strategy. In order to maximize your chances of success in market and minimize your risk, building your strategy early on with a cross-functional team of experts, particularly in the highly complex radiopharmaceutical market, it's important to bring in commercial salespeople and marketing people. And these are typically high level early on experts from medical affairs, commercial operations, quality and regulatory, and even market access and corporate communications can be helpful in building a strategy. Now, it's also important to be or understand that that strategy from the beginning to the end needs to be flexible because the market's going to change, competition changes, and you really need an integrated approach bringing all those pieces together to have a fully collaborative team that maximizes your opportunity for success. Fantastic. Yeah, I can see that. I like the, uh, the Covey reference to begin with the end in mind, the, the, the challenge of looking to where the future is going to be. The one thing that uh, many people don't understand um, in the industry is most pharmaceutical companies are very aggressively looking for um, individual investigators for to, to fund and sponsor investigator initiated trials. So that's sort of where all of the, all of the great ideas come from, from the research side. And typically the ones that are 
most likely to be successful commercializing. And when I, when I say successful, there has to be a need, right? If there is no need or there isn't a, an addressable market that's large enough to support the investment, then there's no um, interest in supporting those types of trials long-term. But the best idea is start there and move into clinical trials and then through the process to full commercialization. So that's from beginning to end. But again, we have to be sure that beginning with the end in mind, that there is that need. And if there's a need and the marketing and all the preparation has been done properly when the product is launched, your chances of success are certainly maximized and you really minimize your risk. Yeah, uh, that makes sense. I think on the diagnostic side, it's been interesting because uh, the challenge is sometimes getting the diagnostic out when a new product, therapeutic product comes to market. When it's a new therapeutic product, it's uh, in competition as well with all the non-radiopharmaceutical therapies and, and how that blends. Um, don't know if you have any further thoughts to that. Yes, that's certainly a challenge. And when, when, I, when I think about, again, availability and acceptance in the marketplace, a big piece of understanding whether you can be successful is knowing what the competitive modalities will be. You know, in, in the case of therapies, oftentimes you're competing with surgery. And there's a whole subset of issues within that, you know, that um, strategy that you have to go look into to address those surgeons, for example, who's been pra- they've been practicing a certain way for the longest time. They have an income, they have a practice built around practicing a certain way and introducing a new technology, especially with the radiotherapeutic is sometimes difficult. Uh, and that is again, where your marketing folks in particular have to be very good at development of the product and how it fits into the patient journey and how it complements the surgeon's activities and advances the standard of patient care and the pot and the opportunity for the patient to have the best outcome. So it's an, it's an additive enhancement to the patient journey, as opposed to eliminating the surgeon from the equation. Fascinating insight. Yeah, I can, uh, I can appreciate that. Um, and I guess that's a, a big component of, uh, advancing medicine is taking us out of our comfort zones or taking the the physician out of their standard comfort zone. So, um, yeah, without breaching confidentiality, can you share an interesting and unexpected finding um, as part of a project you've done in the past? I can. And it's interesting. There's uh, actually two pieces to this um, particular example. And I'm going to focus here on on patient advocacy. So uh, a few years ago, when I was engaged in patient advocacy in the prostate cancer space, I underestimated the potential impact that patient advocacy groups and patients themselves have on their treatment decisions and their, their diagnostic decisions. And they, the patients tended to be much more vocal than I expected, uh, requested a lot more help in terms of having conversations with their physicians that were productive and not adversarial. Physicians don't like to be told what to do, especially from patients who do research on Google. And um, that was that was fascinating to me. And it, it by addressing that need, I firmly believe it really helped to accelerate the acceptance and drive uh, increased sales for the product because we drove demand in a non-sales role. 
more of an influencing role from the bottom up, from patients and physicians into the actual institutions to purchase the products. And the other piece to that, which was somewhat surprising to me, I know from my experience that physicians can't possibly know every bit of research and everything that's going on in their, in their specialty. It's just physically impossible. We're human beings. But what I didn't realize was how, in this case, how little knowledge there was in the physician's base around the PSMA technology, prostate-specific membrane antigen technology that we currently target for diagnosis of prostate cancer and for therapy, or for therapy of prostate cancer radiotherapy. And that's a... That particular um, target will continue to be a big part of prostate cancer diagnosis and treatment for the long term. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine that there had to be some work, and uh, the PMS, the PSMA story has uh, been quite the uh, the game changer, hasn't it? In the last it has. uh, year or eighteen months, you were obviously involved with it in its uh, early strategic development. Any any other insights from from that perspective? I would say the another insight and a big takeaway for me was just how impactful and how difficult to measure the impact on the success of a product patient advocacy can be. And if you if I take a look around the just the pharmaceutical industry in general, there's been a greater focus on patient advocacy over the years and that continues to accelerate for very good reason, not just because patients need the information, but because it also, again, maximizes your chance of success if you have the information in the marketplace and good decisions are being made between the patient and physician and the entire healthcare continuum during the patient's journey. Right. And do you think that also explains why we see so much advertising, direct, you know, direct to patients or direct to consumer advertising in now we're allowed it in the US. Is that why we see so much of it going on? I think that's a part of it. Absolutely. Availability doesn't, um, uh, doesn't guarantee acceptance, right? So once people know, including patients know that it's available and what that availability means to them in the treatment of their disease, then acceptance and adoption becomes much easier to achieve. So there's a twofold approach there for the, from a patient perspective, or is that the physician and patient perspective combining there? So an interesting facet of your background, in, in addition to your industry executive roles, you were vice president at Cardinal Health, and you've been the health systems client as well. I mean, it really follows in from the last topic of patient advocacy. You know, how does that experience inform you of, uh, and enhance your approach to developing strategy from the industry perspective? So having been a customer has given me tremendous insight in terms of what the executives and physicians around me who are treating patients or were treating patients, what their, um, what their hot buttons are, what their needs are, what their goals are. So understanding strategically those needs and essentially rolls into, on the commercial side, knowing your customer. So having a deeper knowledge of the customer from that experience, which has helped me be much more successful and effective in plotting strategy, 
um, modifying strategies necessary, and essentially knowing the right questions to ask and who to ask them of. There's a number of folks in the hospital who are buying influences, and each of them have similar end goals in terms of treating the patient, but they all have different ways that they need to get there. So strategically, you have to know what those needs are or understand what those needs are and how to address those needs in a way that doesn't create issues for another buying influence. There's a whole dynamic internally that you have to navigate. And having my experience clinically doing all of that has made it much easier to, to build effective strategies once you know where to go right right out of the gate. Hmm. And, and can you give some examples, uh, specific examples of, of the, the differing um, uh, sort of complexities within the, when you're selling into a hospital or a healthcare system of how, how you have to navigate those and, and the specific people or types of people that, that you deal with there? Sure. So let me give you an example from early in my career. Some years ago, um, the company that I was working with had introduced a new needle safety technology that was integrated into our dose delivery system, and there was no extra charge to it. But of course, you know, there's no add-on charge, but there is a cost. So um, we were the higher priced vendor in the marketplace. Our competition tried to use our higher pricing against us. So my competition was not only talking to the nuclear medicine departments, but also to um, the supply chain folks. And that was, of course, an area that I had to call on to justify my existence and my sales and my contracts. But procurement wasn't focused on the safety piece. So when I approached the head of nursing and shared the technology with her, explained the differences the risk to patients and the physician, the potential legal liability and those kinds of things, that extra couple of pennies for the dose from my company were inconsequential compared to the liability. So now the challenge there was to present the information to the chief nursing officer in such a way as to arm her with the information to go back to administration and the procurement folks and not step on their toes, if you will, so those are the kinds of dynamics that you have to look out for. Wow. Wow. What a story. I mean, I can fully appreciate the uh, the improved safety, but if you're just looking initially at the bottom line, that doesn't immediately come out. And uh, kudos for being able to navigate the system um, as well. And, and I guess that builds from the first question, which is how do you look at an integrated approach? You really have had to deal with integrating the everything from sales to strategy to marketing throughout your career by the, the sounds of things. Yes. Every, every person in the hospital and in the organization in which you're working, whether it's in pharmaceutical distribution, pharmaceutical development, or the actual pharmaceutical company, everyone has a role to play. You know, what is the old saying? Um, sales isn't the entire company, but the entire company does sales or should be doing sales. Right. It's it's really it's really true. I mean, you're 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 representing your company and your product, and everybody has a role to play. Yeah, it's it's fascinating to hear you uh, expound on that um, because I think uh, a lot of people look at the uh, pharmaceutical development progress, and, and I'm using the word pharmaceutical, radio pharmaceutical as well, but it's in, in the same uh, approach. Right. as a sort of single point of entry into you do this, then this, you go and get your CPT code, you go into a hospital, you sell it, and that's it. 
and that's not it. Uh, you've just expounded very eloquently um, quite an amazing storyline of, of how you had to navigate a, what was apparently a much better mousetrap. It's really true. That's why I am, I'm, I'm always uh, laser focused on making sure that the strategy is flexible. There are too many complex pieces that can uh, go wrong. You need to also be prepared with at least a high level idea of what your uh, approach will be when those potential derailments occur. So I'm also a big fan of having a, or building a strategy that in includes proactive steps to address potential issues before they come up. There's a, there's a term that um, originated in engineering. It's, it's called the unk-unk or the unknown unknown. And I'm always trying to plan for the unk-unk. Um, it's impossible to do effectively 100% of the time, but working toward trying to uh, um, mitigate the, the impact of the unk-unk, if you will, is um, in, in my view is critically important. And I think it's a misstep oftentimes in, in pharmaceutical development. Wow. I, I think we've just got the name for the <laughs> podcast. Yeah. The radio pharmaceutical <laughs> unk unk. <laughs> yeah. And I've, 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 I've used that term with clients a number of times and um, I'm, I'm impressed with how many people have heard of it, but just haven't implemented it. Yeah. So how many unks do you normally go? What sort of depth do you normally build into that? I, it depends on the product. Every product is, is different. So it's, um, you know there are there are different there are different pieces of the development uh, puzzle, if you will, that um, where unkunks can um, occur. You know, on the quality and regulatory piece, your supply chain, um, logistics, logistics and supply chain sometimes are they're they're connected, but they're not the same in radiopharmaceuticals um, for a variety of reasons. Early in my career, I was selling to a hospital um, in the greater Philadelphia area was a very good customer of mine who used a lot of iodine-131 for thyroid therapy, for hyperthyroidism and thyroid cancer. And one day I got a call from the department manager wanting to meet with me. The um, administrator told me that she had been flagged by the local government that the effluent from the hospital was, was causing radiation levels at the, um, the waste management plant to be too high. The, the levels were within federal guidelines, but they weren't within local guidelines. So in this case, federal guidelines didn't trump local guidelines and they had to stop doing therapy for a few days, which impacted their patients and of course impacted my sales. So there's an unkunk that I, could we have planned for it? Perhaps. Um, but we didn't. Wow. And how did you solve for it future? Because I assume every now and then there'd be a, an increase in radioactivity in the effluent of the hospital. Or was that just a one-off? Uh, it was the, it was, a, it was the only time I've ever heard of it. Wow. And, and I, to the, for the life of me, I have no idea. Um, but I will tell you that the hospital is not far from where you're sitting, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> Well, having got well water and living near this institution, I'm really glad that they stopped because otherwise I'd be, well, I'd be glowing by now. 
changing subjects a little bit and, and moving through the, the the process, you know, what what role can marketing strategy and business strategy play in terms of product launches in the radio pharmaceutical market? They both play a critical role, and they are they are not mutually exclusive. My best advice for any organization looking to be successful in this space is beginning by building a collaborative culture early in your development process. And when I, when I think of development process, I'm thinking clinical development, engaging anyone that can touch the, the product and essentially the patient and the client once you're in commercial is important. So building a strategy that includes um, the input from commercial sales and marketing, commercial operations, um, strategy, Medical affairs, market access, again, can play a role here early on, as can corporate communications. But bringing that team together to help contribute to the strategy brings a much more integrated approach. It also brings all of those constituents on sort of on the same page so that when surfaced with the team, everyone is on the same page with where the product has been, where it's going, and how that new idea may or may not positively impact the process of, of success. Every product, particularly in radio pharmaceuticals, is unique. Of course, of course. So I presume then from, from what you've said, so one of your roles is potentially to go in and provide that support to help bring teams together to collaborate and to build that trust that internally sometimes requires an external person to come in and consult and pull the pieces together. And you can't just do it without the knowledge of years to be able to put all that together. With such a varied career and pathway, and yet all within the radio pharmaceuticals, I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing the uh, aspects that you've woven into your career there. Can you share a highlight and a low light from your career? Oh, absolutely. So let me start with a low light so we can, we'll end on a positive note on this question, right? And these, these are actually both recent examples within the last uh, five to seven years. Um, so the low light was bringing or helping to bring a new Theranostic product to market um, for a rare neuroendocrine tumor. And this particular tumor was slow growing and um, essentially incurable. The only treatment for, uh, for the tumor was surgery but it wasn't curative because the tumor always grew back. So we developed this product and approximately five years post-launch, it's no longer available. It, it saddens me because the, it's a good product and it just, it just didn't last in the marketplace. Again, mm. for, for a variety of reasons. Um, and I wish it would have because it removed, it removed hope from a subset of patients in the cancer community. Um, from a highlight perspective, I, I've, I've been uh, fortunate to have been a part of growing two of the most successful products in the industry. The first product was um, Cardiolite or Sestamivi. Um, watching that product as it moved into to become generic. And that was the Cardiolite had a huge impact on the treatment of cardiac disease. I believe it's one of the few if not the only product that um, was really a blockbuster 
you know, a billion dollar product in the market. Mm. Um, and its longevity has been unheard of. I mean, it was launched in the early 90s and still used today. The experience from that product dovetailed nicely into my being involved in bringing Polarify to market, the first F18-based um, pet diagnostic for prostate cancer targeting PSMA. And that product continues to positively impact patients' lives. Both products are real game changers. I've been fortunate enough to have been a part of the teams that have made both of those products successful. And uh, I look forward to finding more of those products and continuing to positively impact uh, the standard of patient care. Fantastic. Yeah. Again, uh, moving to something uh, a little different. In the world that we live in, if you were suddenly given today $100 million to invest in industry or society, where would you invest it and why? You know, ironically, that is, that is probably one of the easiest questions anyone could ask me. <laughs> simply, simply because uh, my wife lost her mother, my mother-in-law, to Alzheimer's disease about three years ago. And, you know, one of my, one of my personal pet peeves about myself is having been, having worked with sick patients for so many years, sometimes I've, I've become um, a little bit immune to issues within my own family, medical issues. And, um, and for me, that's problematic. But when my, my mother-in-law was diagnosed with Alzheimer's and I had the unfortunate experience of watching her fade away before she passed away, uh, that was hard for me. And although she was not my, you know, my biological mother, she's my mother-in-law, um, that to this day that it's still, um, it hurts. It hurts that, that not, not just I lost her, but my family lost her. And to see the, see the impact of that loss on my wife's family and just everyone who knew my mother-in-law, who she touched, you know, during her 85 years, um, it's a constant reminder and it's painful. If I could take $100 million and apply it to Alzheimer's research, Alzheimer's education, or even Alzheimer's advocacy, you know, my father-in-law struggles very much with the loss of his wife and what he can do to help other people. Wow, poignant. Thank you very much. Thank you for sharing that. So we, we come to our last question of our, our podcast today. And uh, if you could speak to yourself at the age of 25, what advice would you offer yourself? I have learned during my lifetime, and I've always been a firm believer that you need to go boldly in the direction of your dreams. So I never defined it that way until one of my children um, found that, that phrase uh, a couple of years ago and, and mentioned it to me. The only person or persons that can hold you back is you. So you set your own limits. Don't let others set your limits and just choose a path and go for it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Wonderful insights. Well, Andy, it has been a pleasure today to spend some time learning a little bit more about your career, your history, the insights you bring to the radiopharmaceutical market. Uh, really appreciate you being here. Thank you for your time today. Thanks again for the invitation, Colin. It was a pleasure, and I look forward to speaking with you again.
Fractals is brought to you by Bracken, the professional services firm for life sciences and digital health organizations. Subscribe to Fractals via your preferred podcast platform. Visit us at thebrackengroup.com or just reach out to us directly on LinkedIn. We'll be delighted to speak with you. I'm Colin Miller, wishing you sound business and good health. Thanks for listening.